to Real Kipper and Born. I am Justin Born. The part of Real Kipper is going to be played today by the one and only Gord Stellick. How you doing, Gord? I'm good. How are you doing? How are you doing? Uh, yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> I love when Kipper answers the phone, right? It's a lot. It's like your. It's like your grandmother talking or something, right? How you doing? Hey, yeah. How you doing? Whatever. He's hey, like, pal. Yeah. He's he's and he does know a lot of people. I'm saying it with, but anyway, uh, yeah. I'll have to try to get my energy down. <laughs> but uh, I am doing great. It's a Friday. We're in studio, which yeah. I love, and uh, we're talking hockey. We appreciate you joining us. Um, you know, we are all. Also here today with uh, one and only Sam McKee. Sammy, how are you? Doing well, gentlemen. Doing well. Good. Uh, some breaking news to oh, start the show. Why? Um, I mean, it's minor, but uh, the Maple Leafs signed Joseph Wall to a three-year contract extension. Huh. With a uh, contract annual average value at seven sixty-six. Will you do me a favor while we're on the show and Google his recent results? Because I have no idea how he's playing in the American League. Gord, you got anything on that? And will he be the first goaltender they have said, and I'm not being a smartass, right. successfully drafted and developed from within since Felix Botvin? True. Well, that's, that's I saw the, the devastating stat today that Tuka Rask retired as the all-time oh. winningest goaltender to have been drafted by the Leafs. Ouch. <laughs> Isn't that a devastating stat? Well, you it's know, not very nice of you to even bring that up. I know. And I do give a shout-out to James Reimer because the guy was a good soldier when he wasn't supposed to be the starter. But, oh, yeah. But it's funny. You know, with Tuka Rask, that draft in 2005 was when the lockout ended. So they threw that draft hastily together in Ottawa. Uh-huh. And Sidney Crosby, they had the lottery. Remember the weird lottery and Pittsburgh got Crosby. The so, frozen envelope. Yes, yeah. yeah. They rigged it. yeah they did. But we were like, it, you're just in the, it was so different that you ran into everybody all the time because if they were going to the washrooms, like you, you ran into GM's coaches, you know, they didn't have time to set up. So yeah. I, I'd run into John Ferguson about junior about three times. Yeah. And so the third time I walked by, like the draft was, so I think like say pick 10 was done or something. I don't know what Leafs were picking 14 and whatever. I don't know. I was just being, I said, I just, you know, he was a good guy. I go, hey, you're going to take that goaltender from Finland, aren't you? Right? Anyway, so I just said it for the hell of it. And someone said at the draft table, he goes, who's told him telling Gord Stelic we're taking <laughs> And I was just punking him, right, as I went back to hang with Kipper and the others. You know what I think is that they weren't going to, but you put it in their brains, and in a way, you drafted Tuka Rask well, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I could, I could certainly use uh, any, any, any measly accolade so, I scratch and claw for, yes. So the first year of the extension is a two-year deal. I'm sorry, it's a two-way deal. Oh, and then good. the second two are uh, one-ways. So if I'm not mistaken, that first one-way year overlaps with Mrazik's one-way year? Last well, with, mo- with his, it would be it would be Mrazik has two more years after this one. So then it would be Mrazik and him under contract for next season. And but, Walls would be uh, a two-way. two-way. But then the next year, they're both, both on one-ways yes, with the Leafs. Yes, So, correct. yeah. Read into that what you will, gentlemen. Uh, mm-hmm. It sounds to me like... I don't think Peter Mrazek has a three-year career with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Just a guess. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a preemptive strike on that. But um, Also joining us today, we have uh, Brent Gunning, co-host of Leafs Nation with you, Gord. He's going to join us for a little Leafs panel in the opening block. I'm excited about that. Yeah, kind of a weak start, but anyway, what do we have after? <laughs> <laughs> well, we followed up with a, a legend of the business, John Garrett, color analyst of the Vancouver Canucks, going to jump on. We got Joaquin Gage, a former Edmonton Oilers Sportsnet guy, going to talk about what's going on in Edmonton. Why is there stuff going on in Edmonton? I guess there's a couple of things. A couple of things. And then uh, also another place where there is a couple of things going on is Montreal. So Eric Angles is going to join us, Habs beat writer for Sportsnet. So very, very excited to see how that goes. But we're going to start with the Toronto Maple Leafs because that's what we do here. 
Uh, and I'll start, Gord, just with your, your takeaways. They lose 5-2 to the, the Calgary Flames last night. What, uh, what were your thoughts on what went down last night? You know, now, first, since you met, brought up Montreal and Edmonton and they made the most recent coaching changes, mm-hmm. what the management is saying to those coaches, they're grabbing them and saying, can you do what Daryl Sutter did to the Calgary Flames? Or Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, or Bruce, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, Bruce is too easy. Everyone loves Bruce. But Daryl, because Daryl did it with L.A. as well. Yeah. And, and where Bruce was instant love. Daryl wasn't instant love. No. Johnny Goudreau was the guy he was punking about game number 500. He had that great really, line. Great though. line. Game and, 499. And so, anyway, uh, great on them for buying into it. I, I love, you know, I've loved seeing Carolina Carol, and Calgary and Toronto uh, the pace of the game, the speed, the skill after, you know, New Jersey and uh, Detroit and a few teams like that. And with fans helped. Oh, my goodness. In Canada. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I forgot. Like, I, I can't keep up with all the provinces. I can't keep up where the truckers are. I can't I can't I keep up with everything right now. But, yeah, the fans and that a lot of Toronto fans go to those games out west as well. So, you know, it's funny when Leafs had the game or had, or had the edge and they get the one nothing lead and then... Like and, and you do a great job with with analytics and statistics and things. And then uh, and and they were talking about on the broadcast last night about uh, just that there's uh, the Leafs are one of the worst team with with uh, rushing scoring chances yeah. against, and Calgary is one of the better teams. And all of them happen that way. That a play that kind of looks innocent, like a rush, but then all of a sudden the player gets a little bit more a little more room than you thought. So mm-hmm. now it's a little bit worrisome. But it's also not a five bell scoring chance. And then they just kept going bang, bang, bang. And so you're kind of going, okay, well, this is exactly, you know, a strength of Calgary, weakness of Toronto. Also, goaltenders, it used to be stop stop the shots. You should stop. Let the ones in that go in. Nowadays, it's been, no, you got to stop a few that used to go in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's true, right? So, yeah. And Jack Campbell was doing that, you know? So you kind of go, oh, we could have used one of the stops there. Yeah. And uh, and so I like kind of thought that. So, geez, all of a sudden, I mean, they outshot them two to one. I mean, there was a physical bite, but I thought the Maple Leafs uh, had the, you know, reacted to the physical bite. There was the big hit, and you lose yeah. a player that's got a, you know, a history injury. So there were a lot of compelling things uh, uh, to, the, to the game last night. Yeah, the uh, I know what you mean off the rush, but that first goal in particular is one of those ones that, yeah, it would look pretty harmless. Shot beats Campbell, low blocker. And Sammy, I think you, you were saying before, like, eh, he was kind of making those saves before. Yeah. We Why don't we get into that after? First, let's start with just what Sheldon thought of the game. Because you lose 5-2, usually the coach is going to give you, you, you know, you expect him to not be pleased with the performance. I'm not going to say Kiefer was pleased, but let's, uh, Derek, why don't play that clip for us? I thought, we, I, thought I, re- I liked a lot about our game today. I liked a lot about our second period. It's just, it, it uh, you know, we got the goal. And... We let up for a bit there, you know, and made mistakes, big mistakes. You know, the mistake on the back check on the first goal, mistake on a face-off play that we talked about before the game on the second goal. You know, uh, a bit of a lazy penalty on the third goal that ends up in our net, you know, and then breakdown in in neutral zone uh, coverage on the fourth. So we make mistakes uh, at a time when we were playing a good game. We we really were playing a good game. I thought we played a good game in the third period again. But um, you you make those mistakes against a good team, you give them good looks, and and then the game gets away on you. Their goalie wasn't wasn't giving us much today. So... To give those to give those goals to them, you know, took away from what I thought was a good game. I thought our guys played hard. I thought we made plays. I thought we controlled the game. Uh, but you know, when you make those kind of mistakes, you know, you can't win. You know what I heard from that, Gordo? I heard Nylander. 
That's in the, to the tune of Newman. That's Newman. what I heard. Nylander. Nylander. Yes. I saw, you know, he talked about the second goal, the face-off play. I don't know what Willie's the doing lazy, on that. lazy penalty. The, and then that actually yeah. falls out, the lazy penalty. Both of them Nylander. Are, are 88. You know, yeah. and the, the second goal for that to go in, like Willie's only job, you know, weak side winger, just don't let the D-man skate past you back door. Mm-hmm. I, I hear some frustration in the game. They played pretty well that Willie couldn't take care of his business. So he was weak, but that's not exactly what you were talking about, the weak side winger. <laughs> yes, just uh, very weak yeah. side. I wonder, you know, I wonder, too, if Sam thinks they signed uh, Joseph Wall because of Campbell, <laughs> Campbell being ordinary. <laughs> that's, that's the reaction. That, yeah. But, no, I, I, I liked, and you know what, when it was 5-2, Leafs were killing. They, like, like they it, played. Yeah, like it yeah. was, and you say, okay, if you can make it 5-3 uh, with 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever minutes left, like, you, you, got, a, you got a chance the way you're playing. Like, 10 shots by Marner. That's how good they are. I didn't Matthews. think the game was over. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. So when Sheldon keeps starts, starts it that way, I'm totally with him about I'm happy the way you play, but then you kind of go, well, why'd we lose? Yeah. And that's where he kind of goes, bing, bing, on like a night where you the game's yours. Those ticky off versus if you're getting slaughtered, you kind of go, okay, I, I, I don't even know what happened. You know, right. just stuff happened. But here, just a little thing became a big thing and a game we, we should have won. We didn't because of those things. Yeah, and it, you talk about the... Go ahead, Sammy. I was just going to say, like, it really was only a, what, five to six-minute stretch of the game that did them in. Yeah. And like he mentioned in there, that was the difference. They played great in that first period. They played great, like Gordo said, in the third period. They were buzzing for... like. I, I do have to pinch myself when I'm watching Matthews and Marner play right now. Do their thing. It's just it's, Matthews is dominant. It just yeah. outside of outside of whatever playoff failures this team has had, outside of whatever you want to say about this core, the way that Matthews and Marner are playing right now Getting at this to watch very them moment, is a treat. It is unbelievable that it's the Toronto Maple Leafs that have these two guys. <laughs> like it really is mind blowing to watch them go. And last night, I mean, Bunting's contributing to that line. He's obviously not the engine of it, but he's contributing yeah. well. Like, that line is truly one of the best in the league, and they were going again last night. But I just, it was a bad six-minute stretch that cost him, and I'm really happy that Keith didn't really bury anybody other than, I guess, Willie by mentioning... Yeah, but he didn't even do it directly, of, no, but, right. but mentioning three of his mistakes that, that led to goals. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, Willie is Willie. I don't, we don't need to have a discussion about him. He's going to have his hot streaks. He's going to have his cold streaks. He's going to have his boneheaded errors. He's going to do great things. That's just kind of what he is, but... I just love watching Matthews and Martin. I know that's not a hot take, but God, they're buzzing right now. I know you always talk, Gordo, about uh, Matthews having that stick, that gravity. Yeah. Like the puck is just like yeah. anytime you can pull it through someone, it just ends up back in his tape. You can't get it off him. Yeah, I, I, I differentiate the two because. Like, I'm in awe of Austin Matthews. I find Mitch Marner, Mitchell Marner very talented, very very entertaining, very skilled. Yeah, yeah. But I just mean Austin Matthews, and if he re-ups, uh, will be just more because longevity will come into play, but sure. probably the greatest Maple Leaf ever. And, again, you have to look at different eras. So if you saw Davy Keon in his prime, because he was ranked number one by people that voted from that era. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know there's others, whether it's Sittler and Sundin and, and Borja Somming and that. But just, yeah. We're like talking about a top three player in the league absolutely. for 10 years if absolutely. he's able to continue this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, if you look, since they won the Stanley Cup in 67, like nobody had been voted for a tro- trophy. Borja got voted to a first all-star team just once. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that level, like it's... it's yeah, it's, Matthews it, is the captain of those teams. Yeah, well, so you got you got, you got Connor McDavid, McKinnon, and Matthews, the three M's, really, that yeah. are that are the guys taking the torch from Ovi and some of the others. And, and uh, you know, and when he's uh, when he doesn't play, 
Like when you get back to the building, if, imagine if you got a ticket to a game and, uh, of course, they're all electronic now, so you don't get the physical <laughs> ticket, but, but you go and there's, Matthews is hurt. Like, that's the first time a couple of years ago. I remember that. I went to a game yeah. and I go, and he was hurt. I go, man, this is like, like you know Going what? to Lakers game and LeBron's taking yeah, a load management like, game or I, something. Like, I truly, this is the ultimate Leaf fan thing, but like, how am I ever supposed to watch hockey without Austin Matthews on the Leafs? Like, it, <laughs> it's going to really suck. So let's not talk about that. But did you guys want to talk about the hit? Because I thought it was a, I thought it was an interesting point in the game, and Keith had some interesting comments on yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. We, we can fit in hit or goaltending pre-gunner. We can include uh, let's do the hit. Okay, let's, let's go. Let's hear what Sheldon Keith had to say. Obviously, Andre Kasha on the breakout. Um, no, we'll let Keith talk about it, then we will. Uh, it's a violent hit. Puck is gone. I mean, I, you know, I, I think... Uh, Anytime you see a guy get hit in the head, helmet flying, all that kind of stuff, my opinion is it should be an automatic. It's a violent hit, trying to get those hits out of the game that injure players like that. But uh, those things happen in the game, unfortunately. So I thought there should have been a call. Ref ref saw it differently. I thought the guy kept his hands down, all that kind of stuff. But it's it's a violent hit, I think, when you're trying to protect players. That's the kind of one you're hoping for a call there. But... You move on. You don't like to see anybody get hit or, or hurt like that. Uh, but when it's on JFC. Ah, I don't know, Gordo. Like, I, the first time I heard that clip of my authentic reaction was, come on, Keith. Like, we're trying to get those hits out of the game, are we? When did we try to get that out of the game? Well, there's two, two words he used that, um, okay, hockey is a violent game. Right. Still is. You're still allowed to hit guys hard and to hurt them. And and also you don't want injuries. And I, I'm no, not like I totally so, agree. So in, in some ways it's the kind of thing without probably reviewing it and reviewing. Because John Tavares said the same thing, but said I had not looked at it again. And you keep in mind that it's a big guy that's doing the hitting as right. well. So quite Which how is he supposed to hit a guy who's bent over at the waist yeah. of his head pointed for? So so they, they get extra blame at any level of hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh the big one hitting a smaller and then, you know, so I, I didn't find it dirty. It's unfortunate when any, anyone gets hurt. It is and, unfortunate. And that's, and, 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 and Kasia, that's been his bailiwicker. That's been the, mm-hmm. we can't call it criticism for being hurt. It's just a reality. I mean, Peter Morazic came with that reputation and right off the right. bat, you know, he got injured. It's, it's, an, it's, thing a, is, it, injury aside, Kasia gets crushed every, every night. Game. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't seem to realize about his precarious... Like, his doctor should be phoning him. Buddy, will you look at your medical history, okay? Yeah. You know, like, just take a look. You're the one guy that's really got to be... But then he's kind of saying, I can, if I can't play that way, I probably can't play in the NHL. So, yeah. what Keith said there, I think I can understand his perspective of wanting a call on the in the game. You're the coach, you want a power play. It's a big flashpoint moment. A guy's bucket goes flying off. He's lying on the ice. Like I can understand his perspective of wanting a call there. But he even said it's like the hands didn't come up. Like it wasn't he just thought it was a violent hit and I think he was a little sour they didn't get a call. But to say that they want that hit out of the game is the part that I I I disagree with. Uh, yeah. That's in the spot on the ice. We do where, not agree. Correct. <laughs> where all big hits happen. That's like right, like what? But that three is the feet, spot. Three feet in front of the blue line. When the puck's coming up the boards, big defenseman comes you down. You got to know the guy's backing up. That's where it happens. Yeah. And I just, I don't know, like I love hockey. I love the physicality of it. That's one of the best parts but of listen, the game. Listen, people go to the games for that reason. Yes. And, and particularly that, American fans, it, I find like that yeah. physical element. And it just sucks he got hurt because he's been great. He's had the history. But like that's the game it so, is okay here uh, let me throw a, uh, a, a, a I think we have Gunner on the line yeah too. but just a quick one just to the coach is there someone he's supposed to say that okay he knows the guy got hurt to a degree and then does he answer well he's just got to keep his head up and learn I'm to play you, smarter he has to do that like so, a player yeah. fighting for his teammate Keith has to go out yeah. there and have his back yeah because the guy's He'd in the corner like going, geez thanks a lot yeah, you know no, so I'm, 
So I'm thinking that, uh, Justin, to a, a point of that, that, okay, I, I got to back the guy that got his bell rung. Couldn't agree more. So. I think when Keith went into the coach's office and talked to the other guys, he goes, well, listen, guys, he's got to get his head up, but we can't go out there and say that. Yeah. Um, Gunner, are you with us? Mr. Brent Gunning? I'm here. I'm here. I heard uh, I heard Keith saying got to get his head up, and uh, and I, I just got plugged in here, so very happy to join you guys today. How are we doing? We're doing great, man. We really appreciate you jumping on with us. We were just having a conversation about that hit by Zadorov on Kasha, and, you know, I was kind of going through my lamentations about I don't know that we are trying to get that hit out of the game. And for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I get the frustration why Sheldon Keefe had some things to say about it, that he didn't like the violence of the hit, but I just don't know how Zadorov is supposed to step up and take the body without doing what happened. What was your takeaway from, from that hit? No, that, that's exactly it. Zadorov has to be entitled to do that, or we have to completely kind of rethink the way we think of the game of hockey. And look, there's there's a world where Andre Kasha, and, you know, I'm not saying he's some shrinking, you know, wallflower here, but there's a world where he's an even bigger man and an even sturdier man. And he bowls through Zadorov, and we're, we're, ta- we're not talking about this at all. There's a world where he spins off of that hit. But mm-hmm. if we know one thing about Kasha, and we've learned so much that we love about him, but if we learn one thing about him, it's that he doesn't do that. When he gets involved <laughs> in collisions like that, whatever the lucky coincidence that allows some guys to not take the full brunt of it, he always seems to. So, yeah, you don't love it. It's not something you sit there and you're, you're thrilled about, especially, you know, from the perspective that I watch the game. But you, you have to allow Zadorov to make a play like that, I, I think. Well, because the Leafs could have used one of those and some of those uh, big, fast rushes coming down, right? That if it had been neutralized the other way, you don't get right. the great scoring chance that led to so many goals uh, for the Cal- Calgary, almost identical in some ways, uh, Brent, from uh, that kind of style. Like if you if you if you knock the guy or stop him down in in his own blue line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's the it's that maybe that's been the one thing that's well, there's been many things, but maybe that's been one of the things that's been missing about Muzzin this year, right? How many times in years past have we seen, you know, exactly that type of play? Guy trying to clear the puck and Muzzin just steps up, holds his blue line, holds his ice, and you that's the type of thing when we think of a physical blue liner, that's like one of the first things you think of. Yeah, of course there's more subtle parts of it. It's little net battles and winning battles along the boards, but sometimes sometimes you're able to just catch someone clean and that's exactly what he did so yeah you you can't knock him at all that's a play that definitely gave the flames momentum and yeah you'd you'd love to see some more of that from from toronto's blue line yeah um this is brent gunning here the the co-host of leafs nation pre and post on sportsnet gunner um one thing i wanted to get into on this is just like the physical element of it in the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you go online, you know, total war zone at any time, but it's a tough time after the Leafs. Some people perceive that the Leafs get pushed around in a hockey game. Now, I don't necessarily think that that happened last night. I don't know. Sam, you mentioned that you liked that there was some. I, like, I think they did get pushed around a little bit, but they didn't really have any of their guys that pushed back. they went back at them, right? Yeah, they, they did. They were, there's some scrums. Bunting was inside the net a couple of times. Brody was wrestling guys. Matthews was involved. I just don't think they had their guns to do the fighting with that they usually do with having Simmons out, having Clifford yeah. out, having Richie out. I, I just I thought they they did have some sort of a pushback. It just wasn't a strong pushback. Right, Gunner. Did, did watching them all year? Have you got the vibe that that is going to be an element for them, a toughness thing, a pushback thing? 
Well, there there is some of it depending on who's in the lineup. Like, of course, Simmons is the, maybe the chief guy of that. Like, I think when the playoffs roll around, Clifford not going to be a part of it. Richie probably not going to be a part of it. So it is going to, if you're looking for just that go win a fight element, yeah, it probably is going to kind of just come down to Simmons. But in terms of the pushback from from players, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned my boy Bunting McKee. He was living inside the <laughs> net. And just sometimes when you don't have the horses to do that, just go be annoying and really kind of make it that kind of game and I think he's the type of player who can do that but then maybe a more subtle thing is you know when so many people think back to the playoffs last year one of the lasting images for a lot of people is Matthews chuckling while Sherratt's kind of giving him the horse collar there and there I didn't you know maybe there were other moments but I didn't notice it last night from Matthews the chuckle there was one moment right along the Flames bench where he didn't like something he kind of you know look this is Austin Matthews he's not going to go into a scrum you know throwing head high you know cross checks or anything like that but I thought that he kind of made himself more a part of it than that we've seen in the past. It's never going to be their game, but the fact that Riley goes out there and, and jumps on Zadora, even though that's not him at all. Sometimes it's not about doing it effectively. It's just about doing it. And the fact that they showed it without all those guys or a couple of those guys in the lineup anyway, I think that does say something that this isn't, this is, this isn't the team that's just got completely bowled over in the past. But yeah, whenever they lose a game that looks like that, people definitely get a little weary because it's been a problem for this team in the past. Yeah, I mean, Wayne Simmons is with his uh, beautiful little child he going, He must man, have been watching that on oh, TV. Man. Just <laughs> could, you, uh, <laughs> could you have not been born a week earlier or a week later? Already mad at his but, kid. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think this, first of all, we talked about Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And where do you get these guys, okay? I mean, these are the guys that win you Stanley Cups. The physical part, and so much of it is because distracted because Nazem Kadri took such ridiculous action that the perception is the Leafs have no one to stand up. So Kadri had to go over the top and that's not the case. That's not the case. And, and so I like that Winnipeg game Leafs had that those most physical, the response they had, um, whether, you know, you, and in the playoffs, you can, whether uh, Richie's around still or Clifford's around, I think one or both still will be around because you can, cap doesn't matter. You can interject players. You can move. They, they didn't get beat up physically by the Montreal Canadiens. I know we talk about that one play. The play was, uh, Mon- the Montreal was smiling all the time because guys like Deneau and that were making sure Matthews, Marner weren't scoring. Right. So, you know, that little clip, they'll be going, oh man, we're, we're getting the crap beat out of us again. No, that, that, that's, that's not what's the difference maker in the playoff series. Yeah, I didn't think it was like a, a lack of physicality why they lost that one either. That, uh, you know, what, one thing I think more likely if you were to place blame for last night, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about uh, old, old Jack Campbell. It's been a little slow here for a little bit. His, uh, his last nine games, he's got a 5-2-1 record, which is good, but the Leafs have been scoring a whole ton. He's got a 3.86 goal to, goals against and an 8.73 save percentage. Uh, I know you're, you're on the line with this, Gunner, but I'm going to let, let you listen to what Sheldon Keefe had to say about Jack Handel's performance, and I'll let you jump off that. Yeah, I mean, I, the looks and mistakes that we made were big mistakes to give him clean looks at the net. So, you know, um, can't fault him much on those goals tonight, but uh, he didn't get a lot of work. Uh, and then all of a sudden he went from getting not a lot of work to some really good chances in tight and clean looks at the net. So it's a tough game for him to go through the goalie on the other side. He's getting rubber from everywhere. We had a lot of stuff on the perimeter tonight. You know, but uh, we did get our looks on the inside as well and that he was good on. But, um, you know, it was, a, it was a much different night at the other night, at the other end where we weren't getting 
a whole lot of rubber jacks way for him to touch the puck and feel the puck and get into it. And we, that was a bit of a surprise, frankly, because Calgary, you know, leads the league in shot attempts. They throw everything at the net from everywhere, but it was a sign of how we were controlling the game because we we, uh, we had the puck a lot today. But, um, you know, we, we, we got to do a better job of not giving them those clean looks on, uh, to Jack. And Jake coming in for his first yeah, so I, I hear that, and I think, well, hold on. I don't think Campbell's night would have gone better if he had faced an extra 22 shots because <laughs> that's exactly what happened at the other end for Markstrom. And then I think the other thing that's concerning about that a little bit is that's that's the whole bet of being a goalie for a team that's supposed to be elite and supposed to be able to lock things up is there's supposed to be long stretches of the game where you're not really tested. And yeah, occasionally there's going to be a power play for the other team or there's going to be a flurry coming back your way. But the whole the whole bet that this team has been building and defensive responsibility and playing a team game and locking things up is that you're supposed to have these long stretches where it's kind of easy on you. And then when you need to make saves, you really, really need to make them. So, you know, I'm not I'm not sitting here hammering a panic button going, oh, oh no, what do they have in Jack Hamm? But I'd be lying to you if I thought it wasn't a little bit of a concern because that's that's the recipe for this team to win is to carry the play for long stretches of time and then occasionally have pushback from from other teams. So that that that's what jumped out about it to me. I, the thing that I hear when I listen to that clip is him being very very careful with Jack Helping Campbell's him sort of you know psyche. Yes, and I think that's probably the number one concern for Sheldon Keefe when he goes to bed at night right now is him thinking about what mental place Jack Campbell's in. We all saw the end of that horrible documentary that we all slugged through uh, on Amazon where, you know, what happened at the end and how he's blaming himself and how hard he is on himself. And the guys love him for it, and he's one of the most popular guys in the team. People in the city love him. But I, I, I have to be honest. I am a little concerned here. Like, there's just concerned because of what you're talking ev- about, the way his, he beats himself like, up and listen, his confidence can get shaken. He, goalies are terrifying. He had an incredible long stretch, and he fooled me. I said they should give him $6 million over six years. Like, I, you know, I, he had a really good stretch of hockey, but it's come crashing back down to earth. Maybe he's being overplayed, but this is why you sign Mrazek. You let him get, you let him get a few games here. Maybe let Jack kind of take a back burner. But the only thing I'm concerned about of that game last night is a yet yet another not good Jack Campbell. And I don't want to jump down his throat here. No. But it, it is a concern for me. And, Brent, this is where your buddy, Sam, this is the ridiculous way. He's going to give him six-year contract three weeks ago, <laughs> and now he wants to send him to Kalamazoo, Michigan, or something like that. You know, and this this, uh, maybe, this is why we bring the sanity. Detroit, Michigan. This is where we bring the sanity to Leafs Nation postgame after that. But, but, yeah, but I know, but we... Part of Leafs Nation postgame, as everyone knows here, but I'm talk, talking here to Brent, but just is Sheldon Keefe. And I've really, now, after the New York experience, when he walked it back a bit, right, right, Gunner, the, the line nope. of just about about quitting that, or, or soft, excuse me, soft, mm-hmm. I don't want to put that. And it, it, purposeless. It, yeah, but he made, purposeless was the other one. But, but yeah, he's, it, there's the political side of last night's game, you know, backing up for Kasha that I can't say you got to have your head up when you get your bell rung, but also the goaltender that, yeah, he knows that this guy, uh, I mean, this guy could be it. This guy could be what matters, you know. Maybe Mraz will come through, whatever it may be. But, again, it's not it's not the sure thing that a lot of us thought the first 30 games, nor, nor should we have thought it was going to be a sure thing, Gunner. 
No, and, and McKee, is, you know, he mentions he mentions the Amazon series there. You know, the, the version we hear from Keefe in postgame is exactly that. It's politician Sheldon Keefe. It's bumping ego Sheldon Keefe. In the locker room, I imagine it sounds like a lot from one of those playoff games where he's sta- standing there talking to goalie coach Steve Briere saying, I don't really care which one. Just stop one. There were only 26 <laughs> shots and five went in. I don't like I'm not going to get picky about, oh, the Hannafin one actually f- fine. Just just pick one of them to have stop because I think I think that's probably where a coach is at following a game like that where you think your team played well but I think one other thing I did want to pencil in here is that the other concerning thing about that is we've seen with this Leaf team in the past now this has been with Hutchinson or Enroth in net that once the goaltending gets a little off or one goes in and it shouldn't, the play kind of completely goes away from this team. And I don't think that was exactly what happened last night, but that run of three goals right back to back to back, that's exactly what that felt like in the past. So that's one habit you don't want to have where you almost let your own foot off the gas because you don't love the goaltending. I, I think that's yeah. something they got to be weary of. And we, I do think that happened a bit. You know, we had Marty Turco on the show. I guess it was this week. I don't know. Oh, no, times a flat circle. Maybe end of last week. <laughs> Whenever it was. Marty Turco was on the show and he he talked about his um, his mental side of things because he knows Jack Campbell very well, known mm-hmm. him since he was like 13 years old. And he said that, he was talking about his own mental game and he said that he knew he was going to get scored on, right? Like he, the best goalie of all time, you know, gives up two, three goals a game, you know, closer to two than three, but still. And so you kind of have to have that acceptance that some pucks are going to go in. And that's kind of what I see from Campbell last night is like, there's some bad bounces, maybe, you know, like the, the one through uh, um, off the faceoff play that kind of gets tipped or kind of gets screened. It felt like a whole bunch of plays where things just didn't go right. And I hope he has that acceptance that sometimes things just don't go right, Gord, because th- to me, it's this is going to happen to the best goalies in the world. He's allowed to have a little lull here. Yeah, and, and Gunnar, uh, the, the part, let's go back one, is how about Peter Morazic the other night against Carolina? Like, Freddie Anderson didn't have pressure. Freddie's kicking ass. He had a shutout last night as well. And right. so Peter Morazic's trying to find his way, and he's playing his old team. And, you know, that game against the Carolina Hurricanes, you know, as uh, I thought was a big step, Brent, in 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 – in him seeing can we get a 1A, 1B move forward and you know maybe they both hit it just right when the playoffs start but at least you have those two options like uh, you know like Sheldon Keefe wanted to have what everybody wants to have going in the playoffs that you got some kind of good second option you could go to. They, they have to have a good second option. And it's just about giving Campbell the space to kind of get right mentally. It's about giving him the space to make sure he's right physically. They, they're going to play so much hockey down the stretch here. It's all going to be jammed back together. And I think because of back-to-backs and runs of play, they're not going to always have the luxury of having exactly the guy they want in net on any given night. So they're going to need both guys to be great. And I, I think Morazic took a big, big step. You're, you're right, Gord. I, I really liked his game against Carolina. And, you know, it, it's tough for me to develop faith in a goaltender but I think maybe I'm starting to do it with Peter Mrazek we'll see all it takes is a period to completely change that though with goalies so yeah we'll I mean Gunner and I and Borny is in on this we all talk about like goalies are just oh, the, most hor- the most horrifying <laughs> thing in the world and we're having <laughs> two goalies on the show listen, today two yeah. goalies on the show today by the way <laughs> anyways um I'll go around the table here how are you handling the next two starts then in with with Mrazek and Campbell what's I'll the Canucks Saturday you, and then what's the other one it's Canucks squids it's Canucks squids, yeah. So I, I, I think you want you want to give Jack Campbell the the chance to play the big game Saturday night. I imagine that's a hockey night in yeah, Canada matchup. Like I'm going back to Jack there and getting Hanmarazic the squids and see if he can. You get that save percentage above a nine oh three, Gord. What do you think? 
Um, I'm well. I'm not over worried or overthinking it, but so I will give Morazic Saturday. You know, kind of okay. alternate them for now, and uh, and then maybe maybe actually less pressure for Jack Campbell, even though you're Good not point. even though you're not setting it up that way. That you know you're afraid of the pressure. The guy played in the playoffs last year. That's what I no, would that, go. I'm with you there. I think you go as long as as long as you can do it, and I don't think this would, but as long as you can massage the ego of Campbell, that it doesn't seem like you're taking anything away from him. Right. I think you go Mrazic uh, tomorrow night. Uh, then you have Campbell nine o'clock Seattle uh, back in the states. It's uh, it's their their first game there. That can still feel like a big game for him. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that's what you do. Listen Marazic, to Brent Sullivan. You should be talking yeah, to no, him. He thinks he's got Jack Campbell on the line. <laughs> you're in the states. We don't. It's Are you listening? there it's whatever you know but <laughs> monday everybody loves monday's the new saturday jack we all say that <laughs> but i mean this was the deal we can't pretend the deal wasn't them rotating you know jack playing maybe 50 32 at best so you know he's got to understand that there's going to be some alternates the middle of the season lull i don't think any if your ego is is fractured by getting one start over the next i think we're a little I go too- twice Oh, I love oh. it. I love it. Just see what he can do. Oh, great. You just signed Jack six years and six million a season. <laughs> this guy can't decide which way is up. Imagine uh, the cap troubles the Sam McKee world. Oh, it'd be awful. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, in McKee's oh. world, he probably in McKee's world, he probably pushes him out the plane and see if he can parachute him right to Edmonton. So, <laughs> so be careful what you wish for in McKee's world. So yeah. while we're doing uh, reactionary things such as, you know, six times six and also cut the guy, um, <laughs> Well, I'm watching that hockey game last night, and I want to phrase this um, gently but also in an interesting enough way because it is interesting. Uh, Justin Hall's b- b- brutal. He was brutal last night. Terrible. Minus Ter- three. My, and, like, guys I'm, walking by him. Oh, no, I, I, I'm like, like Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall, I don't quite get what it is about they're not where we've seen, you know, and, and Muzzin was more a sure thing. You made, you came, made a pretty big trade to get him. Yeah. Justin Hall was this ple- pleasant surprise that – had the Frankie Corrado treatment, but you know, used it in a positive. And, and I love the story, and it was very legit out there. But yeah. no, I'm, I'm, I. We just talked about goaltending and team defense. I just too many indifferent nights from those two. Level of concern, yeah. Gunner. Oh, for for Hall, the thing that jumps out to me is it looks like he doesn't trust anyone he's on the ice with. It looks like he feels like he has to cover up for every single person's mistake at any point in time. Mm. And Justin Hall, we love you if you have the brain capacity to do that, but you're at your best when you just take care of of your business. Maybe we can get you up to take a Gilver for your defense partner's responsibility one day. But I mean, I think back to the Mangiapane goal, the first one last night. He's like an air. Tra- he's like the guy on the strips with the airplane. He's like. Got his stick waving each each way. He doesn't know who he's going to cover. Bunting gets kind of crossed up because of it. That that's the thing that jumps out to me. He just looks like he doesn't trust anybody out there right now. And uh, you know, I know this is a dangerous thing with him, but if that doesn't feel like a problem that maybe the press box should try to fix, I I don't know what is because it just looks like he's trying to cover up everybody's mistakes at all point in time, including his own, and he's making a few of them. So. Gord mentioned the great story, and he was legitimately excellent last year, and we always yeah. fantasize about those games in Edmonton when they shut down McDavid for three straight games, and he was playing all the time against them, and he was quiet out there. It's responsible. He's young enough, too. It shouldn't be But I don't worse. think it's—I think with his career trajectory, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility now that, you know, it's just— he's back down to being a 6-7 kind of guy, and you have to—that's where you have to find somebody, and it's— Way easier said than done, obviously. But at the trade deadline, the spot beside you want debunting the the spot, <laughs> be, yeah, God, the spot the spot beside Muzzin to me 
is the most important thing to figure out how to get something at the deadline. I think Justin Hall can contribute to the team. He can play on the on the bottom pair. He can maybe rotate in and out in the playoffs. I don't know how you use him. I don't think he's a total, you know, disaster, but he can't be playing against the other team's top units as a shutdown guy anymore. I don't think he has it in him this year to do that, and you have to kind of pivot off of that. I don't want to sound unfair, but I just think that's what I've seen from him so far. No, I don't disagree. And the the one guy we know who is not going to be filling that spot, who I think they had some hopes could at some point, Travis Dermott, last night the 7th D. Sam, didn't you say he was playing, taking some left wing Yeah, he had a couple night? of shifts at left wing. Oh, I hate the 7D. <laughs> but, you know, see, uh, Gunner here's got the idea that his guy, distant relative, Michael Bunting, could be double shifted and play defense. Oh, yeah, And then also play on the Austin Matthews right line. Right, Gunner? I want I want bunting at all times with Matthews, but yeah, we can double shift him, mix him in on right shot D. He can do it all. Uh, I'll have him play goalie. It'll be like it'll be like all his road hockey days from Scarborough, uh, doing it all. Gordy Howe hat tricks and and uh, and, uh, and mixing in some saves. What can't Michael Bunting do? I love it. I love, <laughs> oh, love Gun- it, Gunner. We we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. One of our favorite things, one of our mutual favorite things, is can we just quickly talk about how upset. Vancouver is that their hockey game starts at 4 p.m. tomorrow <laughs> to facilitate the Toronto Maple Leafs. But they got to be over that. I, no, I they're not. Believe. Oh, Gordo, man. I went out there, I'd want to say 2017. What what was the last year the, the Sedins played? Anyways, sure. that year. Um, Why don't you get Brian Burke on? He can talk. He'll tell yeah. again. Whenever, remember, whenever Burke, he's bored and he's going, hey, do you, do you want me to tell a story? Have you heard the story how, how I got the Sedins? Yeah, great time filler. <laughs> 385th time. They yeah. were sour. A lot of like people just don't like people. Yeah, no, a lot of people out there just don't like Toronto. It's Correct. weird. It's very disappointing, actually. About uh, I don't quite get it because I love Vancouver, but and they talk about the three-hour time change and all that. I, I anyway, too bad. They hate us because they ain't us. It's, it's yeah. the way it always will be, and <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to hear all the Canucks fans complaining. It's all already right. started. I love it. All right, Gunner. Well, we appreciate you joining us for the roundtable, buddy. Thanks, guys. Have fun. Yeah, you too, buddy. So Brent Gunning, co-host of Leafs Nation, pre and post on Sportsnet with Gord Stellick. Oh, it was nice having him on, eh? Gord asking him yep. some questions for once. Yeah, yeah. We get uh yeah, so it's uh well and they're him and first of all, Brent's always hard on the officials. Him oh, and God. him and Sam golf all the time too. <laughs> yeah. They're big golfers and yeah. do the golf show and yeah. whatever. So it's been fun working with Brent this year and nice. And and we are hoping long like a long playoff run. Imagine that, like just about Leafs Nation period. I mean, uh, you're hoping to, your T V work as well and and that that come on, like one time to get by one round. I you know. imagine how crazy this this city would be and so overdue it is for these uh, passionate listeners. The old podcast Gord- listens up a couple, I imagine. Gordo, what do you make of my theory? And I don't know if I've brought it up with you. Which but one we, now? We were talking about it yesterday. Oh my God, he's got a million theories. What's this one? So that if the Leafs do find a way to get past the first round, that it's the the amount of weight that comes off their shoulder that they, if they get past the first round, they potentially go to the final, is my theory. Okay, I thought, first of all, you were going to talk about buying Jack Campbell out of the contract. Essentially, <laughs> you just signed him to six years and six million each that no, you were no, going no. to do. I, uh, oh, I, I, well, yeah, it could work that, yeah. A, a ton of pressure off, but you still can't be satisfied with one round. Not. You know, that's where I, but, but yeah, I think all of a sudden, because, you know, you look at Edmonton, they made the change because they, they, they cannot not make the playoffs. And in Toronto's case, they cannot not win one, if I'm saying that correctly, yes. a first round of the playoffs. They, they, they really can't. It's just you, you can't come out. And when I say drone on, it's not disrespectfully, but it, it is a drone if that happens again. Yeah. And you're talking the same stuff again, even though you're saying, man, we got Marner and Matthews and all these guys. And, 
and we're here we are again? Seriously? If, if, you, I, if you, the Leafs lose in the first round and I hear them say we have we had good luck, we had a lot of good luck. I'm gonna go into landscaping and, the process. and I'm gonna quit. And and well, here's the again. thing: you could understand why fans would just go away. Yes. Because I don't know if I can talk about it for another year. If the same thing happens, they're very good all season. They get in the first round and the puck stops going in. I won't no, be able to handle it uh, without a massive overhaul. And anyway. stay with the process. Yeah, just stick with it. It'll come. Yeah. It'll I, come. Uh, well, you already had that last summer. And I, and I think I've been on, I was on with you and Kipper, and I gave that analogy. I just said, as I was trying to think what it was, but as a fan, it was the parent who's got the spoiled kid, which unfortunately a lot of us do too much. But anyway, yeah. and he, he just gets his license or her license and out there. And then like, Three fender benders. And each time, like, you're going, oh, just, okay, don't worry. You can drive my car. Mom and I will share the car, and, <laughs> and we'll take it. Don't worry, whatever. And can, can we bring the car over to you? And, you know, yeah. and, and kind of like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You're, you're not driving. you got to fix it. Here's all the damage and whatever may be. And it, it, there was a sense of that. And no disrespect to the players, but kind of like, yeah, I, I'm just not I'm just not into uh, where this vibe is. And I, I, they did the talking on the ice, that yeah. Chicago game. They really started doing the talking, that Chicago right. game, that that. That's the, the positive statements were made. Yeah. Hey, you want another wild theory? In my alternate universe, they lose that Chicago game, and they're like 10 games below 500 right now. Don't rule it out. <laughs> I am a heavy believer in the snowball effect, both Pause positive it. and negative Pause in the early time. part of the season. You know, the, the negative vibes in the Huge. room and sniping and the buy-in. Yeah. I, I totally Watershed games. Watershed games, either positive or negative. Yeah. No, that was a huge, huge game. One thing before we go to break quick. Does Montreal start? At, it's 4 p.m. In, in Vancouver. They must. I don't know. That's when a Montreal great question. goes out, do they start at the same time? They have to. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah. For sure. What about Ottawa? But it's, but it's Does Ottawa main, start at four it, when they're in Vancouver? No, they're they're, the they don't even game. put it on. <laughs> <laughs> it's never the main game. Though. It's just, it's uh, being streamed on DAZN or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor uh, Ottawa. Harsh. Man. Harsh. Uh, daggers, but um, well deserved. Anyway, we will uh, we will get back at it after this. We'll talk to Jen, John Garrett. We'll talk about Vancouver. We'll, we will ask him about start times and uh, opposing Canadian franchises when we're back on Real Kipper and Bourne featuring Gord Stellick. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Real Stellic and Born, our uh, our take on a Kip- Kipperless show. Uh, we are proud and pleased to be joined by John Garrett, color analyst uh, for the Vancouver Canucks Sportsnet. John, how you doing today? It is such a gorgeous day here in Vancouver. It's the nicest day of the year. Is it really? What are we talking? Ten degrees. Ten degrees. Beautiful sunshine. It is so nice. Well, that uh, sounds a lot more pleasant than in Toronto, where it is raining in one degree and about to freeze and be an ice <laughs> rink. <laughs> oh, that'll be great. <laughs> yeah, it should be fun. Um, Easy drive home. Oh, yeah. No, it's been a nightmare for a month. and Glad to tack another month onto that. So yeah. we appreciate you coming on today. We were uh, just talking earlier about the Vancouver Canucks and, and what's going on there. Obviously, lots of interesting news in the, the front office. So I figured we, we could start with that. Um, Cammy Granato hired as an assistant GM after Emily Castengay. Um, what, what are your thoughts on what's going on with the front office? There seems like a lot of people are involved. The Sedins are somewhere on the periphery. What's going on there? Well, I really think it's a it's a good hire. Uh, Cammy has not just the experience from being a player, and everybody knows she's a hockey hall of famer and the captain of the U.S. team, and 
uh, gold medalist and all sorts of things in her competitive side. Uh, but the last three years, she has been working for Ron Francis and the Seattle Kraken as a pro, well, a pro scout. They were looking for players and for the draft. And this is three years of not just uh, uh, you look at the scouts for individual teams, but this is a new team. So you're looking at every player, every position. Right. Whereas if you're an established team, you've got, okay, our draft pick uh, is going to be in the top 10. We're looking for a defenseman. It's very specific to your needs. Whereas when you're starting with a new team, you're looking for everything. And I think that uh, Cammy has that experience for her. And the fact she lives in Vancouver, she's been on all the Canuck games well, most of the Canuck home games that have been played this year, and I think it's a it's a really good hire. And uh, the more you can get input from players like Cammy, and uh, I know she specifically said, "Well, I consider myself a hockey player," and she is. And it's not a woman's hockey player; she's a hockey player. And uh, with Patrick Alvine as the GM, and you can bet. And I know J- Jimmy Rutherford is the president and uh, I don't know what other title, but he'll have his hands in there too. So uh, I think that the Canucks are well positioned on the management side. Hey, you know, now who in management, um, John, can help tomorrow with the start time that Toronto has made for Hockey Day in Canada? Like, can we help from here at all? Do you need some wake-up calls or anything like that? Because we understand the incredible hardship that everybody in the city of Vancouver faces. So we just want to do our little bit. Well, if it's a day like today, I mean, it's even though it's still, uh, you know, daylight time and it gets dark at 5.30, it's a beautiful day. And then you have to go down to the rink and the sunshine and, it's four o'clock and you're so used to the seven o'clock starts and we're catering to uh, the center of the universe. And yes, the leaf nation, the leaf nation rules all, you know, that Gord, you and Mark Askin, Mark Askin is the big cheerleader. And then you're second cheerleader, (laughs) second chair in the orchestra. So John Garrett's born in Ontario. That's the, that's the weird part. Anyway, (laughs) but uh, so we talked about when I was in Ontario, and I played for the Peterborough Peets and did all the Ontario things. My brother got me a Detroit Red Wings shirt. It was my first sweater that I ever had. Uh, my older brother, Bert, is a lawyer and was a lawyer. He's retired now in Trenton, Ontario. And he played hockey for junior B level. And uh, so he saw his younger brother coming up in the goaltender. Let's get him a sweater. And Roger Crozier was one of my favorite goalies growing up. So I had a Detroit Red Wings sweater instead of a Leaf sweater. Well, uh, apropos anyway, it worked out. that. So, okay, but let me ask you about, uh, you said Jim, let's face it, Jim Rutherford is going to run this ship for one trade deadline. He's going to do his imprint. Otherwise, what's the point of bringing him in? I I, I, I like the uh, hires he made, you know, And but what do you think? Has he got an itchy trigger finger? What do you think he thinks of this team? And do you see a whole lot of activity or not? Well, and the fact that uh, Jimmy signed a two-year deal, so I think he will. I, I think he will look at the situation the Canucks have. They've got some good young talent. Are they ready to take the step to the next level? Uh, I think that's what Jim is going to look at and say, okay, our, our cap situation and our player situation, we have Quinn Hughes, who is one of the elite defensemen. 
signed long-term. We have uh, Thatcher Demko, one of the elite goaltenders, signed long-term. And then after that, you get into, okay, what can I do to make this team better? And I think he, I think he will make some moves, whether it's at the trade deadline or before the draft. Well, what, what is going to be interesting is, you know, since Bruce Boudreaux took that team over, he has made them competitive. Uh, I wanted to get your take on where they're at now because they came out of the gates winning hockey games over and over again. Um, have things tailed off in their play noticeably, or do they still look like a, a much improved team since pre-Bruce? I think they're a much improved team, but they, they've had so many, uh, and I'm not blaming the situation, but uh, with COVID and the way it's gone, they've had so many interruptions. They rattled off. They went 7-0-1 in the first eight games that Bruce took over, and they were bang, 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 play every night. And then they had a break, and then they had a COVID break, and then there was the Christmas break, and uh, then they got going again, and uh, Thatcher Demko was playing great again, and then they had the All-Star break, and there's another week off. And now uh, they're getting going again, and uh, Quinn Hughes has tested positive. So you, you take – and Quinn Hughes is their key for offense from the defense. He's got more than half the points from the blue line. Uh, he gets he plays more minutes than anybody else in the team, and without him, uh, I think we saw against the Islanders the other night. And the Islanders were very motivated and they played well. There's no doubt about that. But uh, the Canucks just had no answer. They had nobody that could control the puck in their own zone and get it out. And once they started running around, and it was very early in the game, they started running around. Uh, there was just no answer and. Uh, Bruce, because he didn't have Quinn to throw out there for 28 minutes, you end up with uh, Tyler Myers playing a lot and Oliver Ekman-Larsen, who uh, has played pretty well for the Canucks, but is playing more minutes than I'm sure the Canucks thought he would have to. So goaltenders, and we saw Jacob Markstrom play for Calgary last night, how well he's played. It really didn't happen last year so much. Much heralded free agent pickup this year certainly has. And Vancouver, I would think, has to be very happy with Thatcher Demko. But I'm, I'm looking back. Was, was Markstrom really the big casualty of COVID world that the flat cap hit? That I mean, wasn't, what, wasn't things in place or weren't things in place for him to sign long-term there? How, how, did, that, um, how, did, how did that not work out? Well, I think the Canucks realized what they had in Thatcher Demko. And I think Ian Clark and, mm-hmm. and the rest of the Canucks realized what they had in Thatcher Demko. And they were willing to sign Jacob shorter term, but they really wanted Thatcher Demko to be their guy, whether it was two years down the road. And I think that's why they brought Braden Holpe in last year was just they weren't sure about when Thatcher was going to uh, mature into the number one goalie that he is right now. And, so are you going to sign Jacob for that long term? And then you would have had to trade Thatcher Demko. There would have been no choice. You couldn't keep both of them. Yeah, no, that's uh, not an easy decision, obviously. The, it has worked out nicely for the Canucks. Um, some of the, the best players on that team have had, I want to say, curious seasons. Uh, just thinking specifically of, of Pedersen, Elias Pedersen there. His, his goal totals, his point totals. Uh, obviously below expectations. I know it's been talked about ad nauseum in in Vancouver, not so much here in Toronto. What is going on with this guy who we thought was going to be the next Pavel Datsuk and still may be, but seems to be just a little bit off this season? Well, slow start. 
And yeah. I think you have to attribute some of that to holding out. And I know, you know look at Nylander with the Leafs, and I know you guys love to refer to the Leafs. <laughs> uh, the, year, the year he held out. And then the season he had when he came back. And I know Elias came back and there was still a few days left in training camp, but he missed most of training camp. And then the team got off to a rocky start, and he got off to a rocky start, and he had no confidence whatsoever. And lately, he's averaging a point a game now mm-hmm. with Bruce Boudreaux, and he, he's got his confidence back. And I think the goal that he got against the Islanders the other night was uh, something that usually you see him with that great wrist shot and uh, making moves. But uh, against the Islanders, he drove to the net, went right through the crease, and tucked it in the far side. And it, it was a uh, goal in an ugly area for him. And I think that's one of the things where you look at him and you say, okay, he, he's getting back. He's getting back to the way he was when he won the Rookie of the Year. And this year he got off to such a slow start. And uh, Travis was trying to do everything he could to get Elias going. And uh, the first nine games of the season, he played over 21 minutes game. And people say, well, Travis, you know, had him on the third line. And then he was down to 14 minutes a game. And uh, But to start the season... Travis was counting on Elias and it just didn't work out. And Elias got so frustrated and he wasn't shooting the puck. And I think he had a 7% shooting percentage when he did shoot the puck. He had no confidence. And uh, lately we've been seeing more of the old Elias Pedersen. So I take it he's one of them. And who are those that have benefited the most from Bruce Boudreaux and to a lesser extent, Jim Rutherford coming in? Well, you know what he's like, Gord. And <laughs> you and I both know that we have fun and hockey players love to have fun and you have fun when you're winning, but you have fun when you, you can play a little looser and you don't have to follow so many X's and O's and uh, you don't have to rely on, well, I can't do that or I can't do that. And I, I think uh, some of the guys who uh, JT Miller, was allowed to freewheel Elias Pettersson who had never killed a penalty in the last year. He was killing penalties. As soon as Bruce started, he said, everybody's got a clean slate. If they, and Elias went to Bruce and said, well, you know, I wouldn't mind trying to kill penalties. And right away, Bruce threw him in Quinn Hughes and slight defenseman. And yet he's killing penalties now because he controls the puck so well. And, uh, Tyler Myers, Tyler Myers, who I think uh, got to the point where he was so nervous about what he was doing in the system. Now he, he can free will and he makes some mistakes. He made one against the Islanders the other night, just uh, because he got hesitant and looking around and uh, they gave up the game clincher after the Canucks had come back and from five, nothing and made it five, three. But I think Tyler Myers and JT Miller and, uh, guys that are allowed more freedom now are benefiting Brock Besser. Brock Besser really struggled at the start of the year too. And now he's playing better because Bruce is impressing on him that uh, you're the shooter. When you get the chance to shoot it, shoot the puck. And uh, that's what Brock's doing. One of the big deals in the off season was bringing, obviously made with the coyotes, bringing in Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson. How have those guys fared this season? It shocked me to see that Garland's name in trade rumors, given from what I've watched, he looked like he's been a very effective Canuck. Well, he's been all right, uh, but he's been inconsistent. He, he? he had, yeah, he's had eight, he had eight points in the first six games. 
They had six games on the road to start the season, and uh, Connor Garland got out to a great start. And then uh, his comment before the Islander game the other day, and he scored a goal, was, uh, it sucks to be playing so sucky. <laughs> and my game right now just sucks. <laughs> okay. He was self-analyzing, and uh, he's been pretty inconsistent. And he's one of the guys that has to play with confidence. He, he's a smaller player who great wheels and can shift and makes great turns, edges so well. Uh, but he has to play with confidence, and he has to be shooting the puck too. And he can score from weird angles, and he fools the goalies because he shoots from the goal line once in a while. Well, he got away from that, and uh, they count on him. He's been a top six forward all along, and they need more points from Connor Garland. Interesting game Saturday that really the Eastern Conference, both divisions are almost set, right? It's kind of a weird animal. And then you got the wild, literally the wild west in the Pacific that, you know, Vancouver, you go on a run and all of a sudden you're back into it. Otherwise, you get in a bit of a slump and you're wondering, are we sellers at the trade deadline? Well, that's it. And, and they've got a tough hill to climb. I looked at it the other day and I was thinking, okay, they were at uh, 46 points. And so 36 games left, they'd have to win 25 of 36 to end up around 95, 96 is usually the playoff bar. So that's a pretty tall order. Uh, but when you've got a goalie like Thatcher Demko, you can get on a run. And when Bruce first took over, uh, the other night against Arizona, the shots on goal in the first period were 15-7 to 7 for Arizona. And the Canucks looked just terrible. But Thatcher, Demko, and then to start the second period, Clint Keller had a clear-cut breakaway, and Thatcher stopped it. And then the Canucks came back, and they got three in the, in the period. And, uh, the nothing-nothing game turned, and Arizona's a fragile team, and you could see that once they started to go south, they were in trouble. But again, the goalie, and when you've got Thatcher, that can make the difference. And it, I think that it's a tall, tall order. And I think Jimmy Rutherford is going to realize that uh, if he wants to make the moves and if it doesn't want to be a rebuild, rebuild. And I don't think the Canucks want to do that just because they have mm-hmm. uh, the goalie, uh, the star defenseman, and hopefully Elias Patterson playing like the former rookie of the year and Bo Horvat's a, a reliable uh, guy that takes so many face-offs and he, he's a good leader good example for everybody you don't want to say well okay we're going to start a rebuild with these guys now in their second contracts and getting a little older and wasting their prime yeah John last one before we let you go here just Gordon and I were talking off the air uh, What's up with the Sedins these days? It seems like a lot of the big front office jobs have been filled. We kind of thought they might be involved. Uh, how involved are they these days? Well, they've been very involved, uh, especially with the American League team being so close. And I think that's been a big bonus for them. And they realize that they have to learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. This is their first year out and the first year involved, not their first year out, but the first year involved with the team. And I think they realize that they have to learn and spend a couple of years apprenticing. And, but they've been to Abbotsford a lot. And I know the coach in Abbotsford thinks that uh, uh, it's really a big advantage to have them around and he can work on the power play with Henrik and Daniel advising them and 
the players in Abbotsford appreciate the fact that you've got these two future Hall of Famers uh, there being part of it. Cool. We really appreciate your time, John. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you. And uh, I'm surprised that the elite players haven't been tweeting all these gorgeous pictures. I don't know whether, uh, Gord, do they stay down at the Bay Shore anymore? Or am I dating myself by saying, stay at the Bay Shore and watch the seaplanes come in and go over to Stanley Park and rent a bike? It, it would be that kind of day. Well, you know, but the thing is, with no fans, the revenue has been hurt. They're at the YMCA. <laughs> so it's been a big change now. Yeah, John. Yes, yes that's right. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, $6 a day meal money. That's it. <laughs> the Woolworths lunch counter. Get the daily special. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, John. We appreciate it. Okay, thank you. See you, John. The uh, the Sedin's thing's inter- interesting. By the way, the, the the weather thing does make me a little jealous. Like, I, I do you think that's a draw for players getting to have that climate in the winter? Well, I, I don't know for if, me. Yeah, I don't know if it'd be. Well, I'll tell you with Vancouver because I, I was in charge of team travel for ten years back when we would take not charters to Vancouver. They'd be scheduled uh, flights, and every time it seemed to be foggy or rainy. Oh, now, yeah. And I'd be worried about, like, what what are we going to do? Like, if we get fogged in, like, it's not like a charter plane we can drive somewhere else. So it would be always constant about these kind of provis- provisional arrangements. Now, in 1994, when we had that be- uh, conference final against Vancouver, mm-hmm. and there were three games over the week, best weather ever. Like, what a beautiful city. Oh, yeah? Yeah, what yeah. a beautiful city in Vancouver. But, uh, yeah, cl- you know, people talk about playing in Florida and, it's to each his own, but I, I like the seasons. I yeah, mean, it's me a personal too. thing. No, I don't way. like the bitter cold, but I think I think a lot of people like the seasons. I've decided I don't even care. Give me the bitter cold. Like, I, I've lived in Alaska, and I've lived in Arizona, and I'll tell you, I'll take the seasons. I'll take wearing hoodies. I'll, I'll take that all the time. Um, Do you know how hot it is in the summer, some of those places? Oh, like my people God. People forget, like, yeah. I mean, Ari- Arizona, like, if you don't put up a tinfoil reflector in your oh windshield, gosh. you melt your seat. I mean, it's really brutal. Um, but I am fascinated by that, the, like, booking of, of travel and meals and scheduling and all that sort of stuff, because I've seen it. You spent time with now Bruce Lynn as the um, head of hockey operations for the Toronto Maple Leafs and does a lot of those things. But, I mean, that's a massive job for an organization like the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if things go wrong, like, there is so much pressure on the person in charge of that thing. Players get to a hotel and there's not enough rooms. Yeah. I mean, people are upset. Well, when you have a charter, it's, uh, you know, you kind of control yeah, it. So when we would charter, the big thing, uh, we, we'd use a prop plane. So that's why we couldn't take it far to Western Canada or Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. But otherwise... And so when we would land, there were no cell phones back then. Right. So the big thing was the bus. And, you know, the bus mm-hmm. would come out in the tarmac, and, but you'd be at some weird area. And you, we had some regular bus drivers, like, say, in Chicago, that, you know, these guys had it down pat. But then some places, the bus, and I remember they'd be chanting my name, Gordy, Gordy. Looking, yeah, you're standing there waiting. Where's it's the bus? on you. <laughs> where's, the, where's the bus? And they'd be, you know, because all of a sudden, oh, it's over at, you know, it's it's over at, Am, you know, Amway, uh holding pattern or airline, so it's going to drive yeah. around and because you couldn't anyway so yeah and nowadays uh, i mean it's a way bigger thing but also you got way more money you know you can uh sure. fix problems yeah. but yeah but you're right don't 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 screw up the travel like it's funny it's just that that's one that you get kind of spoiled and used to it and it and, and it's things a, happen well and it's a pain like it's it's not glamorous no that you know being being in places is glamorous like being somewhere and being in vegas for a few days or chicago or new york whatever that's neat but the flying part's not glamorous. Man, I, I never envied uh, that role because, you know, I saw Sheldon Keefe and Brad Lynn was with the Marlies when I was there. and We'd be on the bus somewhere and Sheldon would be watching video and he'd go, 
Hey, Brad, could we get a rink, you know, between here and Utica to practice and stay and find meals in? Because I think we need to go over this system or whatever. And Brad would be like, ah, yeah, we can practice it, uh, you know, in Troy. There's, uh, you know, a Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Like, you know, scrambling to try to make make plans for these teams and these coaches because it's willy-nilly, man. They change their mind on a whim. Um, I had a couple of situations where a, a coach, like, was superstitious. And I'd have to phone the hotel contact and cancel staying there because we'd 13th lost. 13th floor. Well, no, 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 we'd oh, lost. No. Yeah, we'd lost the last four times or something, and the coach wants to change the luck. Yeah. And you feel bad. Like, there's am calling you. You've done a great job. You've done everything, you know. But and you're we got, taking 20 grand out of their pockets yeah, or whatever it yeah. is. To... And we got a coach who's superstitious, and uh, so you <laughs> say, sorry, next time we're coming in, we're going to move to the Marriott or Hilton or whatever it may be. Yeah. Ouch. And it's uh, so much of it's out of your control, and they're just like, great meals, Gordy. You found us a great restaurant. It's like, I don't know. You find the close <laughs> one you can. Um, before we go to break, I did want to get your thoughts on the Sedin's thing. Because they did hire, you know, assistant two assistant GMs. Um, they hired yeah. a GM. Uh, obviously, Rutherford is the president. And the Sedin's, I don't know about you, but I, I did think that there would be a they would be more prominent. They'd be in the news conferences and part of the decision-making. Well, yeah, rather than being decorative. Right. And again, it, it's up to how what how do the Sedins feel? Um, don't know. Uh, I'd be ticked mm-hmm. myself. I don't know. I just would think because the perception was. And then when they made the change of coach and GM and they didn't have Rutherford hired yet, they had eight guys, including two of the Sedins watching practice. You remember? And yeah, yeah. So it, it can be a thing where you, you give someone a role, but it doesn't have any bite to it or any meat to it. And, it's not um, a satisfying work life uh, yeah. at that point. And the party line right now, and give it time, is oh the Sedins know they have to apprentice. Maybe not. Maybe <laughs> not so much. No. Yeah. Marty St. Louis doesn't have to apprentice. Right. Like, you know. So I don't know. I mean, they've been very cool cats, very loyal. But but I got to think like it gets like like I'm kind of kidding, but it's kind of now you got all these all these assistant GMs. You go. Oh no! Here comes Daniel and Henrik. <laughs> well, can, guys, could could you? What can we find? Some? What can do? Can we tell? Can we get you to collate yeah. these papers? Can something can you know? Whatever the copiers jammed. Can you guys <laughs> look at it? You know. Yeah. So anyway, because uh, it comes down to a respect thing, yeah. and certainly the owner Aquilini trumpeted them big time. They're going to have a lot of say. Yeah. And I mean, it goes back decades ago that Gordy Howe. That's why he left the Detroit Red Wings. Well, a chance to play with his kids, but. They gave him an office job with not no meat to it for two years. Yeah, you know Jean Beliveau had a real job with the Montreal Canadiens with defined duties, and you know they want to be busy and they want to be a somebody. Yeah, you don't want to sit in an office relevant. and work yeah. on the Penske file. Um, yeah. All right. Well, when we get back, we'll be joined by uh, Walking Gage, Eric Angles, talk about the Oilers, talk about the Canadians, all fun stuff. New coaches all around. Uh, you're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne.